Psalm 34 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His, bra- his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Can I just encourage you this morning that whatever you came with, whatever baggage that you came with here this morning, put it aside. Put it aside and just for the next few minutes, allow God to do something in your life. Allow transformation to take place. Allow change to take place because God is calling us this morning to worship him. He's calling us this morning to magnify his name. See, taste and see that the Lord is good because he is good in our life. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time of worshiping you through music. Father, we just pray, God, that you will just use us in a mighty way. God, that your presence, Lord, is here. Father, Lord, we're not inviting you into our presence. You're inviting us into yours, and we accept the invitation. And Father, because we know that as our praises go up to you, Lord, your glory comes down to us. And Father, we receive that this morning. Lord, the surgery that you want to do in our lives today, Lord, as painful as it may be, we receive it. Because we know that after that, Lord, we begin to heal. We get stronger and we get better because you are in our lives. And so, Father, thank you. Thank you for guiding us. We surrender ourselves to you this morning. We submit to you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, thank you for worshiping. I love hearing you guys sing. Let's take just a few minutes, find a few people, welcome them to New Life Patterson. Hey, good morning, everyone. So great to see you. Welcome to New Life Patterson. Hey, as you came in through the doors, uh, you received one of these programs. If you'll take that out and look at that, these are some of the things that we have coming up here at the campus, not only our campus, but maybe New Life as well. And you'll see some of the things uh, that are coming up not only this week, but in the months to come. And so make sure you pay attention to that. also want to do, uh, make mention that even though the men's Bible study is on a summer break, the ladies are not. And I saw Lisa over here. So Lisa, uh, the women's Bible study still meets on Monday nights and Tuesday mornings. So if you uh, thought maybe because the men were on a break that the women are on break, uh, they are not. So if you are still interested in joining the women's Bible study, you can jump in at any time. Just go see Miss Lisa. Uh, at the end of service. And also, uh, last week we asked for uh, people to uh, sign up and help out Miss Anna for kids ministry. So those of you that did that, thank you so much because I know it's gonna be an amazing help for her. But if you have not followed through with the process, then make sure you check your emails uh, because sometimes things get lost, check your spam or whatever. We send applications and stuff to you uh, through email. And uh, so if you've not followed up with that process, but you still wanna help, then make sure you go do that. Um, as well. Okay. Um, Also, our summer nights is coming up next Sunday. All right. This is going to be a lot of fun. This is not just for our people uh, here at New Life Patterson. It is for everybody in the community. Okay. So we're expecting a big crowd. Make sure you put that on your calendar. It's from 6 uh, to 8 p.m. It's next Sunday and we have games for kids. We have, I think we have three food vendors and like five dessert vendors because desserts are better than food, right? We all know that. Uh, So we're going to have 
plenty of food here. We've got some bounce houses uh, for, we got big bounce houses for older kids like me. And then we have some stuff for the smaller kids as well, face painting, balloon animals. We have a magician that's going to be walking around uh, doing some things. So it's going to be a lot of fun. So make sure you are here next week. We do this twice uh, every summer. And so this one is, uh, our first one is next Sunday. Then our next one is in uh, July. But I don't want to give you uh, too many details about that one because I don't want you to confuse the dates. The first one is next Sunday. Um, and then also, uh, they asked me to mention that CR, Celebrate Recovery, if you are a part of Celebrate Recovery or if you have ever been interested in joining Celebrate Recovery, that is at the Turlock campus on Monday, night, Monday nights. Dinner is at 5.30 and then uh, the actual um, uh, service starts at 6.30. But tomorrow night, they're having a picnic in the park at Pedretti Park. Uh, they're having a picnic for CR. It's right next to the campus. So uh, dinner's at 5.30, and then uh, they're having all kinds of games at 6.30. So like I said, if you've ever, and music, Okay, music. Yeah, Sean and, and Amanda will be leading worship too. So uh, make sure you're there at Pedretti Park if you, if you want to be involved with uh, Celebrate Recovery. Uh, also, Happy Father's Day to all of you, okay? To all of our dads out there. As you leave, you're going to grab one of these because you are all of that and a bag of chips. Hey, we get a, an A for creativity around here at New Life, all right? So all of our dudes... Uh, make sure that you grab one of these. You don't even have to be a dad, okay? If you're a dude, uh, grab one of these uh, because you are all of that in a bag of chips. If you feel like you're not all of that in a bag of chips, then leave your chips for me because I know that I am all of that in a bag of chips, all right? So make sure uh, you grab one of those. We just want to say happy Father's Day to all of our dads out there. Um, we also want to say thank you. If you're, the, if you're visiting here for the very first time, you've never been here before, we have a gift for you. Uh, it's this uh, mug. It's our coffee mug that's got our logo on it. So that is our gift to you uh, for being here for the first time. All you do uh, as you leave, you're going to go out these double doors to your left. You'll see our welcome center and then just walk up. I think Miss Anna or somebody else will be there and uh, one of our ushers and just say, hey, it's my first time here. And so we'll give you that gift uh, for being a first time guest. And also we want to say to you that if you are here for the first time and you don't have a home church, then we want to say to you, welcome home. Amen. All right. Well, hey, we're going to be in the book of Proverbs again. So if you want to go ahead and turn to Proverbs chapter 18, like I said, we want to say to all of our fathers, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Uh, those of you uh, dads who got up and said, hey, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to go to church this morning. Amen. Uh, and I always love to give this statistic every year because it's so true that when a mother, when the wife becomes a follower of Jesus first, the percentage, the chance of her being able to get her entire family to come to church with her is 17%. When the father gives his life to Christ and begins to take his family he has a 91% chance. We need our dads. We need our fathers. And so we know that, uh, that everybody in here comes from all kinds of walks of life. Maybe some of you didn't have a father growing up. Maybe you, uh, your father left when you were growing up. Maybe you don't know your father. We know that there's all kinds of people here with different backgrounds. Uh, but we just want to encourage and uh, say thank you to all of our dads in here and also be sensitive to the ones uh, who may not have had a very good relationship with their dad, that God sees you and God loves you and God still has a plan for you. Amen? Okay. Well, today is the second message in our Wise Up series from the book of Proverbs. We could actually call the book of Proverbs God's Life Hacks 
Because as the first several verses in chapter one says to us, quote, words of the wise are meant to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people how to live disciplined and successful lives to help them do what is right, just, and fair. That's Proverbs chapter one, verses uh, uh, two and three. And I just want to reiterate, these are not promises. These are wise sayings that if we apply them to our lives, has the potential of happening. So Proverbs can really be considered best practices from the one who designed us. Now, last week we introduced this series. So if you weren't here last week, you didn't get a chance to, uh, to hear kind of the introduction of where we're going throughout the summer. You can catch that on our podcast. You can watch our YouTube channel, but get caught up because we laid a really good foundation for where we're going for the rest of the summer. And then last week, we also encouraged everyone to begin reading the book of Proverbs, to read one chapter a day. And it's super easy. All you have to do is pick the corresponding chapter with the date. So for instance, today is the 18th. So you would read Proverbs chapter 18. And I read that this morning. Let's look at what verse one says. 18.1, an unfriendly person pursues selfish ends and against all sound judgment starts quarrels. We all know people who just like to start stuff, don't we? Come on, we all do. That family member, that coworker, that friend, that neighbor, or maybe it's you. Maybe you're the one that always, you say, I don't know of anyone that likes to start stuff. Maybe that's because you're the person that always likes to start stuff. Look what verse six says. Fools' words get them into constant quarrels. They are asking for a beating. I didn't say that, okay? That's scripture, okay? I'm not promoting violence here either here at New Life Patterson. King Solomon said that. But have you ever heard someone that says, hey, listen, Jeremy, they, they were just asking for it, all right? They were begging for it, all right? Verse 19 says this, an offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. If you offend a friend, they are harder to win back in your life than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. Now, looking back over the course of our lives, we can all see the damage that we've done by our anger, by arguments, by some of the fighting that we've experienced in our families, in our lives. Anger is a big deal, and a lot of people struggle with it. And we now know that psychologically that nearly all anger stems from hurt in our lives, meaning angry people are hurting people. If you're angry in here this morning, it's because you've got some sort of hurt in your life. And we need to address that. Some of us struggle with anger more than others. Even now, you might be angry that we're talking about anger this morning, okay? (laughs) And what do the rest of us say when someone is really angry? Some of us who, you know, who stay calm all the time. Some of us, uh, sometimes we refer to that universal response. Whenever someone gets really angry and we say, hey, look, calm down. That's super healthy, isn't it? to tell someone just to calm down. Have you ever been just boiling over with anger and someone tells you to calm down? Our response is never, whoo, thank you. (laughs) I feel so much better now that you told me to calm down. That's all I needed, just for someone to tell me to calm down. That really helped. 
And here's, here's the deal. We know this. Most of us don't want to be angry. We don't set a yearly goal at the beginning and say, Lord, for 2023, I just want to increase my anger level. <laughs> no one says that. If we deal with anger, we normally say that we want to be less angry. But that's a challenge, isn't it? It can feel like sometimes that it's not even us, that something just kind of takes over and we have no control over it. And for some, even though a lot of effort is used to decrease our anger, it seems to just be out of control. It's like we show up to a forest fire with a squirt gun, and it's just not going to work. But what are some other ways that people try to reduce anger? Maybe just pretending like we're not angry, ignoring it, hoping that it'll just go away. And we all know that, that now you're just a ticking time bomb ready to go off. Another popular method is venting, which is really great because it allows us to transfer our anger over to someone who isn't angry, and that can help sometimes. And some of us have just kind of given up and decided, you know what, nothing can be done. I'm just an angry person. I have an angry personality. By the way, anger is not a personality type. But Jeremy, you don't know what I have to deal with. You don't know what these people have done to me. You don't know how they talk to me. You don't know all the things I have to put up with on the daily basis. And you're right. I don't know exactly what you're dealing with, but trust me, we all have plenty of opportunities to become angry. Maybe you would agree with one of these statements. Jeremy, I wouldn't have to manage my anger if people would manage their stupidity, right? Or maybe this one. Uh, people, say, people say everything happens for a reason. So remember, when I attack you, it's for a reason, all right? <laughs> or maybe this one. Anger is a feeling. Now listen to this. Anger is a feeling that makes your mouth work faster than your brain. Now that's deep. Like we said, the truth hurts and some of us are carrying hurt. Some of us are carrying pain. But as followers of Jesus, you and I are being invited and called and commanded to submit everything in our lives to God. Because his goal for us is to be filled with the Holy Spirit and reflect who Jesus is by how we live. And that just simply can't happen if we're constantly losing our temper. And that sounds easy, right? Well, we know from scripture that God doesn't lose his temper, but he does have a righteous anger. More about that in a few minutes. And what's interesting to us is that Jesus connected anger to one of the 10 commandments. Commandment number six, you shall not murder. And you think murder, Jeremy, I'm not, I'm not murdering anyone, but listen to the way Jesus talks about it. Matthew chapter five, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. And then Jesus goes on to talk about that if I even call someone a worthless idiot out of anger, that it has the potential to birth murderous intentions in my heart. And Paul gives all kinds of warnings about how consuming the effects of anger can be in our lives. We just talked about that a couple of series ago when we looked at Ephesians chapter four. It says this, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Notice Paul doesn't say you're sinning if you're angry. He says, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry for anger gives a foothold to the devil. The wisdom of God tells us that there's a better way. 
And God is inviting us to live in this other way. He's calling us to reflect who he is. Okay, well, what are his ways? If God doesn't go around losing his temper all the time, then what are the ways of God? Psalm 86, 15, David wrote this, King David wrote this, but you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Again, in Psalm 103, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. And one more time in Psalm 145, the Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. Three different times, King David is letting us know that God is slow to anger. Look at these verses broken down. What do these, say? What do these things say about our God? Number one, that he's compassionate that he understands our suffering. He knows exactly what we're going through, that he's gracious, that he rewards us based on his love and not on our performance, that he's slow to anger, which means he waits patiently for us to grow and doesn't have a short fuse because of our lack of growth or maturity. And then lastly, he's abounding in love and faithfulness. Did you know that God has a surplus of good toward you? A surplus if that gives us a glimpse of how God is toward us, then how can we become more like him? What wisdom can we find regarding anger and our temper? Because we want to live according to his wisdom that tells us that hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers over all wrongs. Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers over all wrongs. So we're going to look at three specific verses from, uh, from the book of Proverbs and see what wisdom that we can gain. Okay, but first let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Lord, even reading some of the scriptures that we've already read, Lord, cuts deep. Oh, but it's good. It's good for us, Lord. Father, let us learn today how we can deal with anger in a healthy way or an unhealthy way, in a way that honors you or dishonors you. Let us learn that and apply it directly to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you ready to wise up? Okay, let's go. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11. This is the first one we're gonna dissect. A person's wisdom yields what? Patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. All right, so the first bit of wisdom that we need to absorb today is this. Number one, if you wanna take notes, if you have your program on the back of your programs, you'll see some uh, fill-ins there, and we're gonna give you those fill-ins right now. God's wisdom allows me to look past offenses. It allows me to look past offenses. So have you ever been offended? No, no one in here has ever been offended. New Life Patterson, you guys are perfect, all right? I love this campus. No one is... It's how, so let me ask you this. How easy is it to offend you? Think about it. On a scale of one to five, one being, man, it really takes a lot to offend me, Jeremy. Or five, no, I can get easily offended by just about anything. So I want you to think of that number, and then I want you to hold it up on the count of three. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> Actually, I want you to grade the person beside you. No, I don't want you to do that either, because that's just going to stir up confidence. So another way of asking is this. What is your pet peeve? Complete this sentence in your head, not out loud. It makes me really angry when people blank. Now, I know for some, that's a really long list. Because you're thinking, Jeremy, I think the, the right question is, Jeremy, how much time do we have? Because my list is so long. But in today's culture, we know this. It is not difficult to be offended. 
But maybe it's time to surrender our pet peeves to God. Here's a prayer that you can begin praying. Write this down somewhere. God, replace my pet peeves with your great peace. Replace my pet peeves with your great peace because everyone is offended by everything today. If you walk by 10 people in society, nine of them have a chip on their shoulder that says, offend me, I dare you. You turn on the news, you cycle through social media, video after video after video of us versus them, division and hatred and conflict. And then it becomes a war of whose offense is right and whose is wrong. I can be offended, but you can't. You can be offended, but I can't. Or someone's not allowed to be offended because you were offended last month. Now it's my turn. It's thing after thing after thing. So let's do this. Let's bring God into the equation and see what he says about it. So how does God's wisdom allow me to look past offenses? Well, the first thing it does is it changes my perspective. Allowing God's wisdom to infiltrate my life, to look past offenses is because it changes my perspective. God's wisdom helps me to see the people in my life differently. It allows me to look through the lens of God and see how he values them. A second thing that God's wisdom allows me to do when, when looking past offenses is that it changes my priorities. It reminds me that it's not about me, that it's about him. God's wisdom brings his order to the things of my life and shows me what really matters because when my prayers and my conversations with God are more fo focused on me than about him, I've got issues. I've got a problem. God will put the most important things at the top. And the third thing God's wisdom allows me to look past offenses is that it changes my pace. Now we're going to look at that a little, a little further in point number three, but his wisdom helps me to be in less of a hurry. And we're still talking about patience because it's really hard to love people when we're constantly in a hurry, when we're constantly in a rush all the time. God's wisdom allows me to look past offenses. Now, how do we do that in a conversation? Look at Proverbs 15. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Notice that a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. What is the saying? That means that there are two types of verbal responses described, gentle and harsh. And there are corresponding results for each response. One turns away wrath, the other stirs up anger. I remember when I was in my probably mid to late 20s, uh, I was the youth director of a church. It wasn't a staff position. I just volunteered because we had a few teenagers that attended this church that Janet and I were attending and no one was doing anything with them. And so I approached the pastor and I said, hey, let me kind of direct these students. And they look kind of bored. And let me, I'll do a Bible study with them. I'll do fun things with them. He's like, yeah, go ahead. And so one Friday night we went bowling. And so we were at the bowling alley and we were having a great time. Well, I noticed that one of the kids that came with us who didn't attend our youth group kept going and using, this is before we had cell phones, but he kept going to the pay phone, just back and forth, back and forth. I thought, who's that kid calling? Well, all of a sudden these two kids show up. One's probably 14 and the other one's probably 19, 18, 19, 20. And so they go up and they start trying to fight one of the kids in our youth group. And I'm like, what is going on? So I went over there, tried to stay all calm. And it's, you know, these two little 14-year-old boys are, are faced off and about to fight. And so I went over and I, and I, and I kind of pushed them apart. I said, hey, boys, hey, boys, listen, there's not going to be a fight here today. 
And then the other kid that was with him was kind of beefy, you know, you know, sleeve tattoos and, and big gauges and everything. Jumps right in my face and said, oh, yeah, there is. There's going to be a fight. What he didn't know is I knew this kid. I coached this kid when he played baseball when he was a little bitty boy. And I looked at him and I said, John, there's not going to be a fight today. And immediately when I said his name, he remembered who I was. And this whole countenance just completely changed. And he looked, at the, he looked at the kid and he said, hey, come on, man, let's go. And he left. Now that could have been ugly. What am I going to fight a, a kid at the bowling alley? What is this, you know? Some movie back in the 60s or something, you know? But notice it says a gentle what? Answer. Not a gentle action, a gentle answer. What we're seeing here is not the initial action. We're seeing a reaction. Wisdom makes it very simple. If our reaction is gentle and gracious and kind and loving and humble, the wrath is rerouted or reduced. But if our reaction is harsh, and biting, and spiteful, and malicious, and hateful. We're creating conditions where the anger will increase in that other person. That night at the bowling alley could have been very ugly, but instead, a very gentle answer. Hey, John, we're not going to do that. And he, that connection was made. There's an idiom that maybe you've heard of that says, don't stir the pot. It means to intentionally cause trouble and controversy, to agitate whatever situation is already at hand. Picture kind of a hive of hornets that you accidentally find in the woods or you find in the shed. Now, the wise thing to do when you see that is to walk away slowly, to back away slowly, to not agitate them. The dumb thing would be to take a stick and start whacking at that hive, right? Unlike this guy. Watch this guy. Yeah, don't be like this guy, okay? So many of us, though, we're like this guy. When we, see, when we see a hostile situation, when we see something that's already kind of agitated, we go into that situation and we shake it up a bit, and then we think we can just walk away. We think nothing's going to happen. We're going to insert our two cents, and then we're going to walk away and think that that's not going to have some sort of repercussion. But what we don't know is that we've turned our back to it, and now they're after us. The situation is following us. A gentle answer turns away wrath. That takes us to point number two. God's wisdom, God's wisdom softens my reaction. God's wisdom softens my reaction. There is a lot of power in the ways that we react. Our angry facial expressions, our rolling eyes, other nonverbal cues, and yes, our words can make a bad situation so much worse if we do not engage with wisdom. And listen, church, this is not optional. This is mandatory. God literally commands us to love our neighbors. Does that mean that we only need to love those who are easy to love? Those that give me high fives, bring me banana bread and wave at me when I'm driving through Patterson? No, those are the easy ones to love. But we all have people in our life that are really hard to love. I get it. I have people in my life that are hard to love as well. Our reactions have an impact on those around us. So the question is, will we impact them towards Jesus? There's a hilarious uh, Christian comedian named Michael Jr. I don't know if you've ever heard of him before. But in his comedy, he also deals with a lot of heart issues. 
And he said this one time, he said, when I make an appearance on stage, there's a line of people afterward waiting to talk about what I said. And they tell me how it affected them. Now let's take that statement and make it personal to you. What would happen if at the end of your day today or the end of your day tomorrow, you get done with your day and there's a line of people that want to talk to you about something you either said or something that you did? It might be good. It might be bad. We need God's wisdom to soften our reactions. The reality is a lot of times our reactions can be connected to our impatience towards people, right? We know that things are going on in our lives and then we take it out on the ones that we love most. That's why we need to latch on to this third morsel of wisdom. Proverbs 14 says this, whoever is patient has great, what? Understanding, but one who is quick tempered displays folly. So what can we see here? Solomon's contrasting two internal realities that produce very different outcomes. What is the difference between having patience and being quick-tempered? For me, the biggest difference is speed, the speed of my patience. So imagine taking a trip. Imagine taking two separate trips, okay? Uh, On the first one, you're flying on a commercial jet and you're flying over what you know now. You're like, okay, I think that's Yosemite. You make out a few mountains. You make out what you think. Uh, you c- catch a glimpse of what could be half dome and then boom, it's over. Now imagine slowing down and now you're going to take a hike through Yosemite. Or you're going to go on horseback and ride through it. You see El Capitan. You feel the mist of, of bridal, uh, bridal veil falls in your face. Your view could be very different. Why? Because your first trip, you were just trying to get to your destination, right? You're just trying to find the quickest way there. But on the second trip, you needed to slow down. You took your time. Can you imagine someone hurrying through Yosemite? Half dome check, meadow check, falls check. God's creation is worth slowing down for. And so are the people in your lives. The people that God has put in your lives, whether they're family, whether they're friends, whether they're coworkers or your neighbors, they are worth slowing down for because they are part of God's creation. And if God has put those people in your life, they are worth slowing down for, taking the time, being patient with them. Even the ones that we don't agree with. Wisdom would have us slow down and be patient and stop hurrying. Being quick-tempered is like kind of taking a handful of gunpowder into a candlelit wedding. It's going to be ugly, right? It won't take too much to ignite and just cause this big, huge explosion. We need to replace hurry with pause. And to do that, we must slow down. Patience is about slowing down. I promise you, if you learn patience, you will be less angry. Because anger thrives and feeds on impatience. That takes us to our last villain for number three. God's wisdom puts the brakes on my anger. God's wisdom puts the brakes on my anger. I know I've told this story before, but it's, it's been a while. And I know we, we have several new people that, that have started attending uh, the campus. When Taylor was probably about 10 years old, she was in elementary school. We lived in Wisconsin and I was taking her to school one day 
And so I was in line. If you have ever, you know, everybody in here that's a parent, you've dropped your kids off at school. Every school's a nightmare. All right. Trying to drop your kid off, even though uh, uh, the, the flow is so well. Yeah, the flow goes really well for about four days. And then, every, then everybody starts cutting corners, letting their kids off wherever because they don't want to wait in line. So you got lines everywhere, kids just crossing everywhere. And so that's the way that the school was naturally. And so this one particular day, I remember I had Taylor in the car and I was waiting in line. Kids are going everywhere. People were cutting people off. This guy behind me was laying on his horn. I was like, what is your deal, man? Where, where do you think I'm going? I'm going the same place you are, okay? I don't know if you're honking at me or someone else, but he just kept, and then he acted like he was, he, he was gonna go around me and I just like hold my hand up. I'm like, We're, you're not going anywhere, dude. You're gonna kill somebody. Finally, the guy just flies out from around me, goes about three or four cars ahead and then just cuts in the line, misses all these kids. Well, now I'm just like, I lost it. So before I know it, your pastor had his car slammed up in park out the door, I'm walking up to the guy's car, and right when I reach back with my fist to hit his, his window, I hear somebody all the way in across the yard say, Pastor Jeremy! <laughs> and so I'm sitting there just kind of, you know, I was like, what's up, man? What's going on, Pastor? Oh, not much, man. Just kind of laughing like, <laughs> you're lucky punk, you know. <laughs> kind of back, walk back to my, my car. Hey, and don't you judge me, all right? I know you guys probably would have done the same things, but where, let me ask you, where could you use some fresh breaks with your patience? In the line at a store, in the parking lot at Walmart when somebody steals your spot that you've been waiting for, with your kids, with your coworkers, with your customers or your clients, with your boss? James Chapter 1, 19 and 20 underlines how slowing down is an essential ingredient for living righteously before God. Let's read it. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry because human anger, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Did you catch that term? Human anger. You might be asking, okay, Jeremy, so is all anger wrong? Is all anger foolish? Because Jesus sounded really upset and angry when he was kicking people out of the temple. So when is anger okay? Well, going back to the beginning of the message, we talked about righteous anger. Now, what is that? Here's what righteous anger is. Righteous anger is getting upset about human trafficking. Righteous anger is getting angry when you see God being mocked in our culture or at sporting events. Righteous anger is getting angry when you hear about churches preaching any other gospel other than the good news of Jesus. Righteous anger is getting angry when we hear about child abuse. Righteous anger is getting angry when we see animals being abused. Righteous anger is is angry at the deadbeat dads that would rather spend time drinking with his buddies on Father's Day than hanging out with his kids. That's righteous anger. But let's be honest. Much of our internal anger is not that kind of anger. Most of our anger is from hurt and pain that we've continued to carry year after year after year that we haven't surrendered to Jesus. We can all rush into being ticked off and making knee-jerk reactions, flying off at the handle, but what we really need 
is wisdom, the wisdom of God to put the brakes on. What if you could react differently? What if you could react differently and not be so offended? What if you could react differently and actually look past offenses? God's wisdom tells us to surrender these to him and invite the Holy Spirit to help form these on the inside of us. We cannot do it without inviting the Holy Spirit to be part of our lives. We cannot get rid of the anger that has been built up for year after year after year unless we totally surrender it over to Jesus. Let me tell you one one last story. And I think I've shared this before, but it's been a while. When Janet and I first got married, uh, I had, your pastor had severe anger issues. I know you're looking at me right now and say, really? Jeremy, you're such a happy-go-lucky guy. No, I'm telling you, I had, I had some major issues that I had throughout my teenage years. I actually brought into my marriage subconsciously. I didn't know I was bringing that into my marriage, but I was. And I did. And we bought our first house and and I, I, I know what it was now. I didn't know what it was then, but I had just a lot of hurt in my life. Had a lot of pain in my life, had a lot of hurt in my life growing up. And so I, that came out in the anger issues that I had. And so Janet had never seen a lot of that side of Jeremy until we got married. And I was constantly repairing holes in the walls. I was always punching holes in the walls. One time I was so angry, I literally ripped one of our doors off of the frame. Just issue after issue. And I remember one time Janet was about, she was about, she had actually, she had an appendectomy. She had her appendix taken out when she was seven months pregnant with our oldest, with Caleb. And so she was healing from that. And so I was taking care of her and trying to work and feeling like a failure of a husband and, and a she was about eight months pregnant. And I remember I had one of my episodes and I was just going off and, and she walked up to me and she had her hand on her stomach and she said, listen to me, you need to do something about this anger before I bring this baby into this world. I will not allow our son to be raised around that. And that woke me up. I literally got on my knees And I cried before God and I said, I don't know where this is coming from. I don't know why I have so much of this anger, but you've got to take it from me. I can't carry it anymore. And let me just tell you, was there a miracle that day? Yes and no. Yes, the miracle was that I began this journey of getting rid of my anger. It didn't happen overnight. I didn't just become... Sweet Jeremy, the very next day, that is not what happened. But what it did is it gave me a lot of self-awareness to know I can't do it on my own. I need Jesus in my life. I need to surrender this to him. And it was this daily dump of, of turning my life and turning my anger, turning my hurt, turning my pain over to Jesus. And it was a journey. It was a long journey. But it was a start. And it was enough to where Janet even, she even noticed Let me just encourage you today to say, you know what? You may not notice a big difference by tomorrow, but you will notice a difference when you at least surrender and submit that to Jesus and begin that journey of healing 
Because that's really what you're looking for, is healing in your life. And if you're willing to submit that and willing to surrender that to Jesus, he is willing to take it. But you have to be willing to give it up. Let me read this last verse to you. It's from Ephesians chapter 4. This is from the Apostle Paul. Get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of all rage. Get rid of all anger and harsh words and slander. As well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other. Tender-hearted. Forgiving one another. Just as God through Christ has forgiven you. You think, there's people in my life, Jeremy, that I just don't know that I can forgive. I'm really angry towards that person. Guess what? You were that person to God. But God still forgave you. If God can forgive you, you can forgive them. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for what you taught us today. Lord, I know several people in this room, I know that kind of mirror myself, Lord, that are on this journey of getting rid of all anger. Lord, it's such a difficult thing to do, especially when it stems from hurt and pain that maybe there's even hurt and pain that it's hard to deal with. We don't know how to do it. We don't know where to deal with our hurt and our pain. And so because of that, we just hold on to this anger and we've just accepted it as being part of who we are. But Lord, that's not who you are calling us to be. It's not who you're challenging us to be. So Lord, for all of those in this room that are dealing with that, Lord, I speak to that anger in the name of Jesus and I say, go. Begin to dissipate. Begin to leave. And I say, and I speak healing to the hurt, healing to the pain. Father, may we come to this recognition and awareness in our life that we cannot do it on our own that we have to have you on the inside of us, walking beside us on this journey. Lord, may we hit our knees and say, I need you, Lord. Be able to surrender it over to you, to turn around and walk away from it and knowing that you are taking it, taking it away from us and that the healing process and the journey has begun. Father, we love you. We give ourselves to you. We trust you, Lord, that you are God and you're big enough you're big enough to heal our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let me just give you a challenge. Uh, I know those of you, you may want to have a further conversation with this. Please, I'm begging you, reach out to me. You can come find me right now afterwards. And listen, there is no shame. All right, if your pastor can stand up here and talk about some of the things that I've gone through in my past, do not be too proud to come up and say, Jeremy, I need help. I've got some issues and I need help. Let's connect. Let's go have coffee. Let's maybe get, get you connected to the right person, but please do not leave and just carry this with you and think that this is it. Sunday morning message done. No, we want to continue this journey. Okay. So come find me afterwards. I can give you my number. We can connect for those of you here for the very first time. We want to say thank you. Uh, lastly, th those of you who came prepared to give, thank you so much 
for believing in the vision and for your heart connected uh, to the vision of what we're doing here. If you came prepared to give, you can just drop that off in, in the, the box right before you go out the door, or you can give online through the, through the app or through the website. We want to say thank you because we couldn't do what we do without you and your generosity. So thank you so much. Guys, have a great week. All of our men, as you leave, make sure you grab the bag of chips because you're all that and a bag of chips. Hey, we love you guys. We'll see you next Sunday.